Intersect Radio, where music, faith, and life converge, with your host, Aaron the A-Train Smith. edition of Intersect Radio uh, here at the Intertalk Radio Network. I'm your host, A-Train, and I'm glad you guys could um, take some time out of your days or schedules to listen into the program. We all appreciate that very much. Uh, today, uh, my guest is once again, Mr. Rich Hordinsky. Um. Rich is considered by most to be uh, the consummate guitarist, composer, arranger. Uh, his um, resume is just like busting over with with creds, and we have posted that resume at our site here at Intersect Radio. Um, you're going to have to allow for at least five to ten minutes just to read that. Okay, so the the show is an hour long, and reading Rich's resume is going to take you like 10, 15 minutes. <clears throat> but I'm so glad that he has agreed to come back and talk with us because, um, well, first of all, hello, Rich. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you for asking. Hey, thank thank you for, for coming back on the show. I, I know you're a busy guy and, um, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, kind of hard to set aside time to do one specific thing sometimes. And, uh, I, I appreciate you doing this for us. Oh, I'm honored to do it. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, if you guys would listen to the first interview, I thought it was great. I listened to it and, um, I just, I was just um, really impressed by um, all the stories Rich has to tell about all of his many experiences in music and all the great people he's worked with, um, Adrian Ballou, Tony Levin, uh, just a host of others. Um, um, My Morning Jacket, people like that. <coughs> and um, here in Nashville... You know, we don't we don't get exposure to. Um, well, I can't say that. Tony Levin knows guys. Adrian Ballou actually lives here, so but you know we don't get to see him play or go out to hear a concert or anything. But anyway, so I was it was a great connect for me to know that um, 
I know somebody who's had that experience. And, and like I said in the beginning, you know, we don't see each other uh, that much, but it's a kindred spirit there that I have with Rich. And um, hopefully, Thank you. In the days, yeah, hopefully in the days to come, we can make that more of a one-on-one contact, personal sort of thing. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Matter of fact, I was talking to Jimmy Abeg yesterday, and he listened to the interview, and he really liked it. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. And um, he's, he said, you know what we should do? And I went, no, what? We should jump in the car and go up to Cincinnati oh. and, cra- and crash for about three days and, and just Absolutely. jam. Oh, that'd be so fun. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm a bass man. player. Yeah, I was telling, who, who was the who was the kid that played with us? Terrell, Terrell Montgomery. Terrell, yeah, Terrell, man, that's the guy. That's the guy. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> so, so Jimmy and I are doing a gig together this weekend with Kevin Max out at oh, John, yeah, out at Johnny Cash's museum. Woo! But yeah, but um, yeah, so. I asked Rich to come back on the show because, as you all know, if you've listened to the show, this is about musicians and their faith and how their faith has influenced their lives and and has influenced their art and the things they do and um, how it was uh, before faith and after faith, you know, pre and post, if anything changed. And usually things do. And... um, so when I asked Rich to be on the show, he uh, he looked at the content and, and he texted me back and he said, uh, well, man, uh, I don't know. You might want to reconsider me. I might not be the guy you're looking for. And I said, <laughs> why is that? <laughs> and you said. What did I say? <laughs> I, I think I, I think I think I said. um I don't know what I said. I think I said something like, you know, I think your, your show is mostly about interviewing, you know, Christians. And I, I'm not really, haven't been in that camp for a long time. And mm. so I just didn't want to, I didn't want to get 45 minutes into this and you'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I, I thought you're the perfect candidate for this show. And I still do. Um, because, you know, I know you have experience in CCM. Um, I know you, and my first contact with you has been through this this music medium. Um, so I know it's something there, and uh, that's what I want you to tell us about today. You know, um, you said sure. in the other first interview that um, you came down to Cincinnati from Cleveland, that area, mm-hmm. uh, because you heard of it. You knew of a, a Christian band whose guitar player was leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that correct? Okay, that's right. That's uh, right. Yeah. So, so I should uh, probably, I should probably back up a little bit. Yeah. Should I do that? Okay. Yeah. So I, so I was raised in, I was raised in Cleveland, outside of Cleveland, in the suburbs, and um, my, on a, on a like, uh, if you want to call it a spiritual track or path or whatever, my. My dad's, my dad's family was, you know, Polish Catholic from way back. 
you know, immigrant uh, grandparents, et cetera. And um, so my dad was Catholic and my mom was from North Carolina. So she was like raised in the Southern Baptist thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So in what part days, of North Carolina? She was in not too far from Wilmington, a little town called Magnolia. Okay. Uh, beautiful, beautiful little town um, out uh, Warsaw is out that way. Uh, lovely, um, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's that, it's that Southern thing where there's that, that, um, there's so much interesting, cool stuff about that culture, but it's sort of underpinned with racism throughout. Mm. And so it's really hard for me to look back on that and, and to be like, well, I really enjoyed this. And then I have to, I have to see that in the larger picture of, uh, of the, um, of that context of horrible racism that was there and in, in, in small towns, I'm afraid still is, is there, yeah, you know, yeah. painted throughout. And, uh, sometime yeah, I, I had a story about my grandfather down there. Cause he had a, he had a really interesting story, but, um, but anyway, so my mom was, my mom came from that Baptist background and in those days you had to convert to Catholicism to marry Catholic. So she converted to Catholicism and, um, so they, they, they struck this kind of bargain that I would have to be Catholic until I made my first communion, which I think you do at like nine or 10 or 12 or something. Mm-hmm. And then from then on, I would go to the Protestant church with my mom. Hmm. So, um, so it was interesting in my, in my really young days going to the Catholic church, which I really, I really, um, I liked the atmosphere of it. I remember going downtown. My dad used to go to confession at this, this huge old church in the, in downtown. And it was, we'd go on a Saturday afternoon and it was just this massive space. And the sound of it was so amazing. I just remember every time someone would put one of those little kneeling benches down, it just had this like five second reverb, you know, like, and uh, and it felt kind of magical, you know, the smell of the candles, the kind of cool darkness that was there. Um, Mm -hmm. And that had a real, like, I really loved that quietness and that contemplation. Um, and then when I made my first communion, I kind of went over to my mom's church and I didn't, you know, I wasn't in on any of this. They just kind of said, okay, now you're doing this. I was like, okay, I just assumed this is what everybody did. Right. Um, so my mom went to like a lot of like crazy, holy roller, like not quite snake handling churches, you know, like, Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, I mean, one of the churches we went to, they were really into the faith healing thing. And so they took this woman off of her diabetes medication, took her off of insulin because they were sure that God was going to heal her. And then she died. <clears throat> and I remember, um, you know, watching TV one night, I'm like, Hey mom, our church is on the national news. <laughs> um, cause really? this person, yeah. Cause this per, you know, the, the, they were going to like indict the pastor or something for taking mm. her off of medication. Um, mm. and you know, they would, they would do that. They would do that thing where like, they would want you to do the speaking in tongues thing. And so they would take young kids and make them come up to the front of the church in front of the whole congregation. They would be like, now speak in tongues right now, you know? So there was a lot of weird, you know, a lot of awkward, um, pressure, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the whole, and they they were also very into the whole, like, um, God loves you, but he may send you to hell for eternity. So just work on that for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Which I, you know, I never could quite get around that. So that was, that was kind of my mm-hmm. history. And then I wound up going to a, um, a Christian, uh, college, a Quaker college in Northeastern Ohio called Malone college. Um, mm-hmm. and it was, 
pretty conservative. Like there was no dancing allowed on campus. Uh, you couldn't have any alcohol on campus. There was no boys couldn't be in the girls' dorms and vice versa. Um, and uh, it was uh, it was an interesting it was an interesting experience. And I didn't really know any better. I thought that's what colleges were like. Um, so I I went there. I was a music major. I had sort of a split major between jazz and classical, and uh, that's where I met the people who would eventually we would eventually all be over the Rhine. We were in bands together in college, and we played clubs together in college. Matter of fact, Linford, the the other uh, writer and uh, other guy in Over the Rhine, and I played in a funk band in college. It was really interesting. Oh, and I, had, cool. I had no business being in a funk band in college, <laughs> <laughs> but I learned a lot. It was, it was really fun. We were playing Michael Jackson and James Ingram and, um, you know, the kind of pop soul funk, Anita Baker, yeah. all that kind of stuff that was popular okay. in, the, in the early eighties or late eighties. Mm. Um, but that, that was kind of where I was coming from. So when I, when I left college to, to, to join this band, it was, it wasn't a big, it was like, it was kind of a normal feeling for me to do it. Um, when I moved to Cincinnati and then I, um, I toured with that band for a little while. And then I think I was playing it. I think I was playing at the Cornerstone festival, which is that festival in Chicago, uh, yeah. which is probably, is probably where you and I met, honestly, unless we met in Nashville, mm-hmm. we probably met at that festival. But, um, mm-hmm. I, uh, so when I was there, someone asked me if I would audition for Margaret Becker's band. I think I was playing guitar for Larry Norman actually then, but, um, mm. and I auditioned for Margaret's band and that's when I started sort of, really doing the like sideman thing in the, in that CCM world. Mm-hmm. And it was a good, it was good training for me. It was my first sort of professional gig. Like you had to show up, you had to have your shit together. You had to be on time. You had to know your parts. You had to be able to sing and play at the same, you know, the whole, the whole thing. That was where I met yeah, Charlie. You, yeah. You said Charlie was asking you to play like three guitar parts. Yeah. Yeah. Just, he wasn't asking me. He was just, he was just expecting it. And like, you know how he is like, he's, he's really, he's really nice, but mm-hmm. you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. There's not, right. not really a way out and you don't want to disappoint him. Right. <laughs> so I, just kinda, to, I just saw Charlie and, um, he sends his best as well. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I, Charlie. Yeah. I look forward to seeing him again soon. So that was kind of, that was kind of how I got into that world. So I did that, I did that for a little, I did that for a few years. I did, um, you know, I did like that tour with Michael W. Smith and I did a few other tours. And, um, during that time I I had been working on music with, um, Linford, Dettweiler and Karen Berkowitz, who we formed over the Rhine with and about, I don't know when that would have been 90, 89, 90, something like that. I, I, um, we kind of finished our first record and I started uh, just, we started playing shows. And so it was kind of rough for me because I had gone from these, you know, relatively nice tours where someone's setting up my gear and tearing down my gear and staying in reasonable hotels to like, like I remember our first, one of our first tours was with Adrian Ballou and we had five people in one hotel room, you know, so we took turns sleeping on the floor. Wow. So that was, that was a little bit of a like, okay, so that's what, that's what this is like. (laughs) Goodness. Um, so I, yeah, so that, that was kind of how I got, that's how I kind of got into that world. And then, uh, that's, that's also, so, I mean, I never, it wasn't like I, it wasn't like I ever had a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I have to stop doing this. But I, I eventually got to the point where 
um, uh, I had been, I had been in college. My the guy that I studied with, Michael Vahila, amazing guitar player, was my my teacher, and he had really he was um, really into a lot of like uh, Eastern music, Indian music. You know, he was like a generation older than me, so he was really into like John McLaughlin and Shakti and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. He was he, he mm-hmm. kind of turned into Indian music and Asian music, and. Um, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I remember coming over to his house one time for a lesson and I came over at the wrong time and he was meditating. And I was like, meditating, what are you doing? So he was like, well, I sit here for like an hour in the afternoon. I had never really heard of it before. Yeah. And, um, and he gave me this, this book, which is a classic for guitar players called the natural classical guitar by this guy named Frank Ryan. And I still give it to my students to this day. And it's mostly about how to play in a way that's, that's natural and doesn't cause you physical problems later in life. And I know there's a lot of drum theory about this too, you know, how you make your motions natural so you don't wear out your joints and all that right. kind of stuff. It's kind of the same idea in guitar. But in that, in that book, he talks, he also talked a lot about meditation and, um, and in a sort of, you know, cultural late sixties, early seventies way, he was talking about Zen, he was talking about Buddhism and it always had a kind of resonance for me. And I kind of kept reading about it over the years. And, um, I don't know. Sometime in the sometime in the mid '90s, I guess I I was involved with um, I don't know if it was playing Cornerstone Festival, or one of these one of these music festivals, and they they would go, you know, you'd be in a room and they would be asking everybody to pray out loud or something, and it always made yeah. me horribly uncomfortable. I mean, I'm kind of an yeah. introvert anyway, but I I just I just realized that I was like, you know what, I don't I don't believe this anymore. And I kind of, it was a moment of like, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I've believed it for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was kind of, it had been a cultural thing for me that I had grown up with it. And I hadn't really, um, uh, you know, I hadn't really thought about it in any sort of rational way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, at some point in there, I, I just had, I, I just kind of moved away from it. And my, and my, you know, my interest in my practice with Buddhism has nothing to do with the supernatural or anything like that. It's mostly just about uh, being mindful. And it really, it really came from music and and the understanding that, um, you know, you have those moments in music where you're, you're sort of playing over your head, you know, or when you're in Mm -hmm. in an amazing groove and you feel like it's such a great groove, you can't get out of it if you tried. Mm -hmm. And I found that the the kind of study of Zen and the way your subconscious works and preparing your subconscious to do that kind of stuff, it just made a kind of logical sense to me. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of where my emphasis moved sometime in the nineties. And it's kind of been there ever since. Mm-hmm. So, so are you a practicing Buddhist? Yeah. I mean, I'm probably a really badly practicing Buddhist, but yeah, I mean, if you have to, you know, <laughs> how, you, how yeah. what would make you a better practicing Buddhist? Uh, probably, probably doing, uh, doing more meditation than mm-hmm. I, but, um, I sit, there's a, there's a group in my neighborhood that I, I really love. And, uh, we've been, I think, you know, the Buddhists call it sitting. They don't really necessarily call it meditation. They call it sitting. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we sit, uh, twice a week and it's, uh, it's such a, it's a really wonderful thing. It's a, it's a completely, it's probably the most integrated group that I'm with all week long. It's like, poor people and moderately wealthy people and black people and white people and mixed people and 
some people come and some people only come now and then. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's just a really, it's kind of what I've always hoped a church would be, you know, churches, Christian churches. And this is just in America. That's my, my main experiences, but you know, Martin Luther King said it's the most segregated hour in America, right? Right. Uh, This Sunday morning. And, uh, this, this sort of, it sort of hits me as the way I'd always hoped that other thing would be. And and probably Mm -hmm. is in some context, but I never got to experience that. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know if you know this about me is, uh, is that back in the seventies, I moved to Boston and, um, I was really, I had just finished playing with Miroslav Vitus and really getting in, into jazz. And I moved to Boston to study with Alan Dawson Mm -hmm. and I went to Berkeley for a semester, um, because I, I enrolled at Berkeley because that's where Alan was at the time. Sure. And by the time by the time I made it to Boston, he had he had left Berkeley and started teaching privately out of his home in, in Lexington. Mm. And um, man, I was I was so I I was so curious about discipline, you know, and mm-hmm. and and creativity and where that all came from. And I because I started when Miroslav introduced me to you know, Jack DeJanet, Tony mm-hmm. Williams. And, yeah. And I, and I was listening to Mahavishnu and Shakti. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Chick, Chick Corea and all those guys, you know, back in the seventies, you know, all those yeah. guys had a record, had record deals, you know, they're yeah. playing in each other's bands, but you know, and I was just curious about their motivation. And so I noticed that each one of them had, well, when you talk about McLaughlin uh, Chick Corea, Wayne Shorter, Herbie Hancock, those guys, they all had some sort of s- spiritual connect, you know? Um, yeah. Um, Herbie is Buddhism, Wayne Shorter is Buddhism, John McLaughlin had Sri Shimoy, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and Chick was a Scientologist, is a Scientologist. Yeah, and so I start, too, kind of. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I so I started searching that stuff, and I finally ended up at uh, Self Realization Fellowship Paramahansa Yogananda, and I oh, wow. I got in. I really got into that man. I was meditating sometimes three hours a day. Wow, that's a long just time. like really, and it really changed my life. You know, it changed. It did make me disciplined, and. Mm. um I could concentrate and, you know, and, and, um, stuff like that. But one thing about one thing that it didn't do for me, it didn't make me friendlier. Mm, right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I guess I was just, it, I was so self-consumed with it and I was, I was learning so much so fast, uh, as far as being a drummer and stuff like that and, and taking lessons once a week and prepping for those and spending time with Alan and that, you know, it didn't, I didn't, it didn't make me more extroverted. It made me more introverted. And yeah, uh, I could see that for sure. Yeah. And I've often since, since uh, being a Christian now and, and coming to Christ, I've all, I kind of abandoned meditation and, um, 
I I've recently considered uh, just trying to start the practice again. You know, because I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not meditating to call upon some foreign god or something to come and rescue me for anything. It's it's more of a centering and clearing my mind and a clear you know for better for a better thought process. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So um so what do you think about uh as as a Buddhist now what did you do with Jesus? Well that's a that's a good question. Um so I I this there's this author that I really like, Mary Mary Doria Russell. And she she wrote in an essay one time that there were basically two two religions with there's two kinds of Christianity. She said there's the mm-hmm. one that Jesus taught, you know, which is like blessed are the meek, love one another, uh, you know, take care of the poor. How you treat other people is how you treat me. And so there's the religion that Jesus taught. She says, and then she says there's a religion about him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always thought that was a really interesting distinction. And there's, you know, there's a spectrum, of course. Um, some versions of Christianity are all are all one and all the other, and some are more in the middle. But I, mm-hmm. I've I've never had a problem with the religion that Jesus taught. And you know, it's one of those things where all of those all of the, all of those concepts are central to the best parts of you know Jainism and Hinduism and Buddhism, they all have said those things. They've all said, treat other people the way you want to be treated and mm-hmm. take care of the poor and the widow. Um, so I have, I have no problem with that. I, I just, to me, the, the supernatural part of it is where I, I have to suspend my uh, disbelief or whatever. You know, I, I don't, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, on a, on a strictly rational level, if you believe, if you believe in a God that's all powerful and all loving, you have a lot of work to do to reconcile that with the world you see around you, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not passing judgment on people who believe differently than me. I, I'm the first person to say I could be completely wrong about all this, you know, Mm -hmm. and five years Mm -hmm. from now I might have a completely different view. So I I do not want to be in any way adamant about it. Um, but the, the supernatural part of it doesn't really recommend itself to me mm-hmm. that way. Um, when you say supernatural part, but give, oh, I'm not I mean, really clear on that. Sure. So, so in, in the, um, the kind of like Chan was the Chinese word and in, in Japan, they called it Zen Buddhism. They, they sort of, they sort of, there's a, there's a famous story about someone asking Buddha, about um, whether there was a God. Um, and he said, asking whether there's, a, whether there's a God is like getting shot by an arrow, right? And you, you're, you get shot by this arrow and someone's like, hey, I want to pull that arrow out. And he's like, wait, I need to find out who shot this arrow and what kind of arrow and who made the arrow. And he said, asking about whether there's a God, like there's so much stuff we should just do right now before we even worry about that. So his, his, and, and, you know, it's almost certainly an apocryphal tale that somebody made up later, you know, uh-huh, like I, lo- uh-huh. I love that. I mean, that's one of the things that I love about Buddhism. And I, I think that Christians would benefit from too often is that if you ask a Buddhist, like, 
So there's all these sayings. They're like, did the Buddha really say them? And they'll be like, nah, probably not. But the thing is, like, have, we found these things to be useful for a couple thousand years. So these yeah. are the things that have sort of stood the test of time. And that's why we follow them, not because this guy said them, because he probably didn't say half of those, you know. But that's not really, I like that that's not really the point, you know. Like, I feel like in Christianity, if people were like, um, well, Jesus probably said that, but really, it's just a good idea. Like, it's a good idea to take care of poor people. It's a good idea uh-huh. to not tear gas children. Like, those are just good ideas. And we yeah. think that Jesus said that, but even if he didn't say it, like, it's kind of a good thing to do. Right. You know? For some reason, for some reason, we instinctively know that that's, that's a good thing. You, know. you think, yeah, you would, you would think that it's, it's always surprising to me that some people come out on the other side of that. Hmm. Um, but so, yeah, so the, so the supernatural part of it, like whether there is, um, like a, a, a God who intervenes in people's lives, whether it's on the level of like preventing the Holocaust or providing someone with like a parking space, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that thing, I just feel like I, if I had to say yes or no, I would say no, but I don't really care. Because I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see that. I don't see that intervening <laughs> happening on a consistent, predictable level. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, there's, right. There's kind of an old joke about God sitting up there and, and there, and someone's like, "So why do you deal with this prayer thing? Isn't it a pain in the butt?" And God's like, "Hey, check it out. The way this works, people pray to me. When things go well, I get all the credit. When things go badly, <laughs> they never blame me. It's always something else. They blame the devil, whatever. Like it's a win-win situation." <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's kind uh, of funny, yeah. but but still, you know what I mean. Yeah. So like, yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I know what you mean. I don't see. I can't draw a straight line from someone saying, "Hey, hey, God, I got a cold. Can you help me with this?" Um, right. To them not having a cold. So I I just try to set that part aside and say, you know what? If it if believing in that makes you a kinder, better person, then I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, it makes you if it makes you someone who fears people who have other religions, or if it makes you hate people that don't look like you then I'm not uh-huh. all for it, you know, right, it can right. go both ways. And it's the thing is we do with, with religion too. I mean, it's like that, that television program that's out now, God texted me. No, I'm not Have you seen that? No. Yeah. It's some program that just started. Um, and then you had programs like touched by an angel and things like that to kind of like, I don't know. It just kind of took, uh, kind of makes kind of takes well well the things we know from the bible and kind of makes them turns them into like a um a parody or something you know what i'm saying yeah i haven't seen those but i I think i know what you mean yeah um so at the end of the day like there are people who are a lot smarter than me that have different beliefs than me. And so like, I am not trying to pretend I'm right or I have all the answers or anything. Yeah. 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 Understood. Um, um, well, you know, our current, um, situation here in, in the United States has, um, really shaken up, um, to, and shaken up the church, you know, and, and has a lot, a lot of Christians, um, like wondering what what happened? Yeah, <laughs> and those I, and those very things about what did Jesus say have been ignored? You know, that's, that's so hard to understand. Yeah, I I saw. I think it was a quote from Stephen Colbert who said, "You know, if 
if we're not going to care about the poor and we're not going to take care of refugees and immigrants, then we have to kind of stop saying we're a Christian nation. Right. Like those are core, those are not peripheral things, you know, mm-hmm. like those are, those are core principles of Christianity. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's, a, and then, and then, uh, you know, really, have we ever been a Christian nation? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, but I, I get, I get his take on it, you know, <laughs> it does cause you to pause, you know, and, well, you know, yeah. and that's, it's, it's made me very suspicious, you know, I don't, I don't know, uh, within the, within the Christian realm, uh, who to trust anymore, you know, cause, um, I just, you know, I just spent 15 years at this church and I love that church um, because I love the pastor and I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I learned so much that he, he, he taught me into a place and then he taught me out of that place. That make any sense? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he, the theology, cause he's a brilliant guy. And uh, we used to, we had these classes on Thursday morning, theology for breakfast. And when I first met him, I didn't know anything about that. You know, theology wasn't really important to me. I I knew I believed in Jesus and, and that was kind of it. And, um, then I, then I got into, um, this, these theology classes and I really got into them and, and started learning, um, the meaning of terminologies, why people believe this, why people that, you know, uh, reform theology, Arminianism, um, just on and on, you know. And then you you get to the grace part of it. And then when, we, when he taught, when he started, he even had a, a kind of a transformation and, and just started really accentuating grace, which I totally agree with, but that's where he talked me. He taught me out of where he had talked me into, you know, because mm, the knowledge can puff you up, you know, and, and, um, you can, you can kind of get to a point where, uh, even amongst other Christians, like if, if you don't believe the way I believe, and I think that the way I believe is correct, then we have some issues, we have some problems. But then, you know, when when you're taught the grace part, you come to realize that that really doesn't matter. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, what do you think about Jesus? Mm-hmm. And do you believe he is the son of God? Um Yes, I believe that. So that's that's what's that's what's important. It's not all that other stuff. Although I, I'm glad I went through it to get mm-hmm. to here. So what I'm saying is, I eventually left that church because he left that church. The pastor left the church, and I went, mm-hmm. okay. Well, I guess it's time for us to go too ah, because. So we're not church affiliated anymore, mm-hmm. but. Um, but uh, I still, you know, here lately I've I've been going to this one church because they asked me to play on Sunday morning. So, oh, nice. So it's yes, yeah, 
kind of intermittent, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't well, go my, every you know, Sunday. My wife, my wife is a Christian, and we go. Uh, I go with her sometimes too. There's an Episcopal church downtown uh-huh. that um, we go to sometimes. My daughter goes there for youth group stuff, and you know they're they're an interesting group. Episcopal church. Um, they're um, the music is really good uh, most of the time, and so that that kind of goes a long way. Um, it's very, it's a very formal service, almost like a Catholic service. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has a lot of structure to it. Um, it can be a little boring sometimes, <laughs> but you know, mm-hmm. I try to remind myself that I'm not really there to be entertained. You know, it's not a movie. Right. I don't, I don't have right. to, I don't have to be occupied for an hour and a half. I just have to, right. I just have to do the dance. You know. So when you were playing with out of the Rhine, um, and as far as your 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 faith at that time, do you, did you think you were like ministering to your audience or s- serving the Christian community in some way? Um, I don't know. I don't think I don't think I would have thought of it that way. I mean, I I would still like to think that you know if I'm if I'm if I'm doing music that's that's uh, that's moving people or connecting with people, that that's a kind of um, you know ministry in the in the old sense of the word. You know, it's not a it's not a again, it's not necessarily some kind of supernatural act, but it's like it's mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, it's kind of like you know, last night we made we made some food and took it over to this place where they rescue women from prostitution and drug abuse. Mm -hmm. So we made dinner for like 30 people. So like, that's, that's a, you know, whatever you want to call that serving. I feel like I hopefully on a very tiny level playing really good guitar maybe does that, you know, if you Mm -hmm. can reach somebody Um, and just, I don't know. I I probably have too, I probably have too emotional a view of that, but I feel like if you, if I'm connecting with somebody musically, hopefully that's doing a service for them. I wouldn't want to do this if I didn't believe that, I think. Right. Well, you yeah. know, some some Christian musicians, you know, they they call what they do their ministry. You know. Yeah, I, you know, and I get that. I, I in a, I would hope that it would be the really broad sense that, like, uh, you know, it's the the way I, um, you know, the way I treat my neighbors is a ministry, and the way I, uh, you know, the way I react to politics is a ministry, and the, you know. You probably know David Dark, right? Yeah. Yeah. So David's an old friend, David and Sarah. I used to play guitar for Sarah mm-hmm. too back okay. in the day um, by Charlie. But, um, you know, David would say, if you want to know, if you want to know what someone believes, look at their receipts. You know, what did they spend money on <laughs> last week? That'll tell you what they believe in. Yeah. Or, uh, you yeah. know, look at their browsing history. That'll tell you what they believe in. So right. I, I kind of, you know, hopefully that all ties in and, and has some sort of an integrated, you know, it's not, Yeah. I don't know. I think it's dangerous if like your, your profession is, is how you feel like you serve people only, if that's the only way, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of, it can be a little bit of a cop out. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. Oh wow. I'm serving people by standing on stage in front of 3000 people and having everybody tell me how awesome I am. Like, right. Come right. on, dude. <laughs> Right, that might be right. about our egos. 
Well, you know, one thing about, uh, I've, I, I told you I've been serving at this um, this other church playing playing in the worship team. And uh-huh. it's been a, it's been really um, a breath of fresh air because of the, the atmosphere of that church. And, and I think the, uh, the intent is still the same, but it's not so, it's not so bogged down by um, we're reformed or, uh, we believe in predestination and election and, and that sort of thing. And, and I think the the other church I was attending was that, you know, it was kind of bogged down by that. And, you know, and there was a, there was an intent to teach people who came to that church, um, those, that sort of theology, you know, that you were chosen by God. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that's important to know. I believe I was chosen by God, but if somebody else loves Jesus too, and they don't believe that, then I don't think that makes a difference, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, so it's been, it's been a, it's been really nice to go to a different church and, and have the experience with a different congregation, different leadership. Um, but, um, Man, I, I think your your story is very interesting, and you know, I, I didn't have any, any idea that you had ventured into Buddhism, but I think that's great. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, it just seemed it's just one of those things that it seemed to it seemed to make sense with the the way I thought about music and the way I thought about life, and um, you know, hopefully, you know, the the practice of it seems to be you know, like I'm, I'm fully aware that everybody, everybody feels like whatever tradition they didn't grow up in is really exotic and interesting. Right. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I'm certainly, I'm certainly guilty of that, but I love, I loved about, um, Buddhism was that like, they would say, okay, this is what you need to do and here's how you do it. Um, and in the churches that I went to, like when I was a kid, um, I, uh, they would say, love your neighbor. And I'll see you next week, you know, and I'd be like, gosh, my neighbor's kind of a jerk. How do I, how do I do that? You know? And I'd come back next week. They'd be like, well, did you love your neighbor? I'm like, I, I don't think I did. You know, I didn't. He was kind of, he's kind of a jerk. And I loved about Buddhism was more like, um, have compassion on your neighbor. Now here's how you do that. This is what you do every day. Do this thing and this thing and this thing. And six months from now, you will feel different about your neighbor. And it's really mm-hmm. like, it's really true and it's really practical. And I know that there are, there are spots in Christianity where that has happened, you know, in, in monasteries and uh, probably in some churches where it's, where it's very practical. But the part, you know, where I grew up, it was just, you were just kind of on your own. You know, they would be like, well, you need to, you need to feel this way and act this way. And I'd be like, but yeah, right. but it's really hard to do it. How do I do that? And they'd be kind of like, right. well, you just kind of got to do it. I'm like, well, that's not really helpful. <laughs> So um, that was one thing that really drew me to Buddhism. They were like, you do this thing and you do this every day. And, and, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen this week. But six months from now, you're going to be a slightly different person. And six years uh-huh. from now, you'll be a very different person. And it, it seems to work. And, you know, it uh-huh. works for me. That's all I can say. I can't say it would work for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that, you know, you got two different things going on in your household there. And, um, I'm pretty sure you you both influence each other, uh, 
oh, in a practical in a practical kind of way, you know. Yeah, you know, I it, no matter what I do, I will never be as good a person as my wife is. So mm-hmm. it's just you know, it's aspirational. <laughs> I feel you, man. I don't even try to be as good as my wife. <laughs> she's got, <laughs> she's got. You know, it's like I look at her and I go, "Oh my, thank you, Lord, for." Uh, I'm just going to be quiet <laughs> and uh, I'll tell her what I think and then I'll wait for an answer. Because, <laughs> man, she, she is so wise and she's really loving. I, I've learned a lot from her and she's probably, well, she has been a a reason for, she's added to my transformation, I, I guess you could say, you know, yeah. how I believe and what I believe uh, and how I see other people and that sort of thing. Oh yeah. If you have the right attitude, marriage is the best crucible for learning how to be a better mm-hmm. person. No way around mm-hmm. it. If you have a good partner, um, there's just, it's the best. I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a verse in the old Testament about iron, iron sharpens iron, you know, like right. hopefully everybody, you know, work together to make each, each other better people. Another one of my yeah. favorite authors said in one of her books, you know, we, we train each other to be human. You know, when you have a kid, you have to, you have to train them to be human. You can't just expect that they're going to grow up to be a nice, compassionate person. You have to train them. I, I, I needed, I wanted to use a similar line on a lady who was flying with her infant son. Uh, He must've been like two, three years old, two and a half. And they were sitting right behind me the other day. And he was screaming so loud, wouldn't put on his seatbelt, kind of held up the flight a little bit because we couldn't take off until she forced him to sit right. in the seatbelt. Oh, and, you know, and I, <laughs> I wanted to stand up and go, okay, people, I know you're all agitated and mad at this little kid, but he is not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to bite your tongue sometimes. She is the problem. <laughs> and sadly, there's nothing you can do right now. It's going to take a right. few years to straighten this out. Oh man, it's come. It's come this far already. You know, it's right. Yeah. Oh man, she's got to change her uh, mothering style or something. Uh, yeah. That kid's getting ready with murder. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> so, so what do you got coming up between now and Christmas? Um. I'm playing a show with a band in town here called the Mitchells. Really interesting kind of textural. I don't know what you'd call it. Kind of indie, indie art rock or something band, chamber music Mm. band. It's kind of fun. Um, Two, two guitar players, a bass player, a drummer. Um, I'm playing like a third guitar kind of textural stuff. And then there's a violinist Mm. and cellist that plays with it. There's some string arrangements that go with this. And, yeah, it's really cool. We're doing it here at the monastery, and it's a it's a concert like in the round. So the the band, the guitar players, all use multiple amps, and they're sort of spread mm-hmm. out all over the room. Oh, so the great. sound doesn't come from one place. It doesn't even. It's not even like quad. It doesn't even come from four places. It comes from like eight places. Oh. So it's really cool. depending on where you sit in the room, you get a different perspective on everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward the, to that. That's, that's Saturday. The Mitchells. Mitchells, yeah. Is they that a family? A no, it's not. It's just the name of okay. the band. They have a record okay. that I produced called New Lawns that just came out. Ah, uh, cool. It's a really nice record. Yeah, you should check it out. Yeah, I will. 
Um, I can find it on um, iTunes and stuff like that. Places like that. I think so. This is the official release, but I think it's already available. Okay. And what's the title? Uh, I think it's called New Lawns. Like, like mow your lawn, new lawns. New Lawns by the Mitchells. Yeah. That's a pretty, it's a cool record. It's an interesting, um, kind of textural, but it's real accessible. Um, and then I think I'm going to do, I usually do a little holiday show um, right before Christmas. And I'm sort of working out the details of that. But I think probably the weekend of the 15th, uh, my buddy Josh and I will set up uh, a little local watering hole here and try to try to blow some stuff up. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, your studio is a lot like, I can see where, uh, you know, you, you, what you were saying about going to the Catholic Church and the the ambiance there and the feeling there, I, I think you brought that back to your studio. Oh, thanks. That's that's a nice compliment. I hope so. It feels, yeah. it feels peaceful most of the time. Yeah, it's a good space. It helps. And it's, you know, it's, it it's, helps to be in a church too. Building. Yeah, and you know, and it's a church building. Like you know, there's been music in this building for 120 years. Mm-hmm. You know, there was an Episcopal mm-hmm. church in like the 1890s. And then it was like a black Baptist church for about 50 years. So there's been a ton of music in this place. I'm, I'm glad uh-huh. it's, got good, it's got a good history. Yeah. I remember when uh, Charlie bought the art house, it was, yeah. uh, I used to, you know, when I used to commute to um, Nashville from Sacramento and, oh, and I stayed with him. I was, I was actually with him and Andy the day they decided to buy that. that oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, I thought it was interesting that they lived in the sanctuary part. I would have made oh, that part, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I used to sleep up in the balcony. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, man, the piano I, was I had some, I had some heavy dreams up there, man. I'm telling you. Oh yeah, <laughs> I guess did he sell that place? Yeah, he did. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah it's still. Yeah, it's still art house. It's still the art house. Okay. Uh, it's it's tied to uh, uh, two. Uh, I think they have two other art houses around the country. One in Texas and oh, okay. one in Indiana. I think uh, somewhere else. Yeah, and so you know, he's still in it. He just doesn't live there anymore. Somebody else lives there. You know the the art house organization. Uh, has has a couple living there from Australia. Oh, really? And, Does he uh, still have the studio in the back? Li- yeah, still has studio, still operational, still still functioning, going strong. I just did a session with Charlie um two weeks ago. We did a a funk session. We did like six funk tunes. And oh, was, was that the me. one with Roger? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And Jerry McPherson on guitar. Of course, and um, yeah, I, I I noticed what you said about Jerry last yeah, time. Jerry's so good. Charlie calls Charlie calls Jerry the Swiss Army knife of guitar That's, players. That is very true. <laughs> very true. He's got a he's got a deep a deep uh, a deep well of styles he can hit on. Yeah, he does. 
He does. He's got a lot of gear and he knows how to use he all does. of it. He does. He does have a lot of gear. My gosh. He yeah. Has a lot of gear. It's just like, but you know, he, he's, the thing about Jerry is that he just has, he has good time. You mm-hmm. know? And like, that's mm-hmm. just, I keep trying to tell my students like that is everything. Yeah. Your time is everything. Yeah. It's, it's probably yeah. more important than your melodic content. Like, hmm. But yeah, Where, is, how you fit, is. how you fit in the groove, that kind of time. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. just having, just having good time and being able to, and to grow, to be aware of where your time is and how to play, uh-huh. how to play a little more on top or how to play a little bit more behind or just how that, uh-huh. how that even feels and how to recognize it if other people. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, know. that's cool. Yeah. You still have those same students that you had when I came up? Oh, at, still, the, at the school, yeah. So at the yeah. school, yeah, they're finishing up their semester um, next week, uh, mm-hmm. and I'll have I'll have some of those students on and off throughout their college careers. I have um, I teach a couple, like some of the students that are in the recording class now. I'll have in like songwriting and lyric writing next year, so I see them over the course of several years. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, it's a great it's, gig. It's inspiring yeah, and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it snowing up there yet? It snowed a couple of days ago. I'm ready for it to go. It's supposed to be like <laughs> 50 tomorrow. It's supposed to be nice and warm tomorrow. So keeping my fingers crossed. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm not ready. It's freezing cold down here. I know. I'm, I'm not, not mentally prepared. No, me either. I'm not ready. I, I need a slower transition into winter. <laughs> yeah, and you guys don't even get that much snow, really. I know, but we just get like damp, cold air. Yeah, I mean, great, yeah. chill down to the bone. Kind of cold, <laughs> That's how it is here. You know. I feel like I can't get warm. Yeah. So when uh, when does your group meet? Uh, tell me, did you that record you were mixing the last time? It was for a, um, an interfaith group. What it's called? Oh yeah, just, mm-hmm. just love. Just love. Yeah. Just yeah. Love. Yeah. yeah. Is so it that, out that, yet? It comes out a week from Sunday. Oh, cool. So, yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. what it's going to be called, Just Love? Yeah, it's called Just Love. I mean, I think it's called Just Love Volume 1. And it's just a collection of, um, of, you know, I don't know, for lack of a better term, spiritual music. I hate to use that word, but uh-huh. um, but it's but it's topical, too. Like, there's, there's some songs that are sort of rooted in a kind of uh, traditional Jewish kind of mysticism. And there's uh-huh. some that are um, that are more Christian, and some that are uh, there's a there's a song based on a Rumi, uh, you know, who's a Muslim Sufi uh-huh. uh, poem, and uh, and and some original stuff that's more more uh, like there's a song about refugee situation. Um, okay. There's a song about um, what else is on there? Uh, there's just a, there's a variety of stuff. It's not okay. It's not a, well, I'm gonna gonna ask everybody to to look out for that. Um, go to all your iTunes things and support that project. It's called Just Love. Is there an, a name of the artist or artist? No, it's just called it's just called Just Love, and I think you can find it. I think you can only find it on Facebook right now. But it's Just Love, okay. one word. And okay. uh, and the CDs, I think they're free. I don't know if they. I don't know if they'll ship them out for free. You might have to pay for shipping, but the CDs themselves are free. So um, it's a cool, it's a cool group of people, and you know, people Ooh, from all from all different kind of 
faith groups. There are a couple of Christian folks. Um, a, a rabbi is a friend of mine is the one who runs it. And, you know, someone like me who doesn't really have a, a, a faith in that sense, you know, they're very totally cool with, you know, that. So it's, it's every, everybody's pretty welcome. Man, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, Hey, we're, we're running out of time here and, um, I got to tell you, man, it's been, it's been great talking to you. Uh, I'm glad we had a part two. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. It's an honor. Uh, two very distinct, di- distinctly different conversations. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's great. And, um, me and Jimmy are going to come show up one day at your door, you know, come on, come on, with, have him um, bring a guitar. Yeah. Break out, we'll break out that old Ludwig kit and make some noise. Yeah, yeah man. And sleeping bags and stuff like that. <laughs> I we'll got beds in the house. You don't have to, <laughs> unless you okay. want to camp out. <laughs> we're, get, we're getting kind of old for that, brother. Yeah, I know. I know. It's hard enough getting out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are uh, always out. welcome. Well, you know, you let me know and we'll, I'll set up a club gig and we'll, we'll go down there and tear some stuff up. Cool. You're on. You're on. Well, well, thanks, Rich. And um, pleasure. If I don't talk to you before Christmas, have a merry one, and um, we love you much. Thank you. Love you too. Have a merry Christmas. All right. You too. Thanks, bro. Bye bye. All right. See ya.